worship guide notes along with your Rock Church pen, and we'll go ahead and dive right in this morning. Did you guys have a good New Year's this year? Good New Year's? I don't know about you guys. Mine, uh, I was kind of talking through a Christmas series. Uh, Christmas was a hard holiday this year to get into. I don't know what it was all about. I think when we have kids and they get in the school system, it seems not only when you lead a church, there's a bunch of Christmas stuff to do, uh, but also when your kids are in school, there's also even more holiday things to do. And so we were getting wrapped up in there, but it seemed like the new year just kind of came and gone, didn't it? Kind of just went really, really fast. Uh, that's kind of what it went for me. But today we're starting a brand new series uh, just in time for the new year called Small Things, Big Difference. Everyone say small things. Everyone say a big difference. I bet you that is your hope for the 2019, isn't it? I don't know about the small things, but how many of you guys would like to see a big difference in your 2019 year? How many of you guys made some goals, Right? resolutions, some, some hopes, some things you wish to, to do things different. Every new year, it seems like millions of people across the world make new year resolutions. And uh, I do that every year, but how many of you, you know, how, I don't know about you guys, but I end up failing mine. You can laugh, it's a funny thing. Some of you guys are like, oh man, that's a bummer. But no, no, like, like, like I would make new year resolutions and I would do, I, my follow through would be pretty good but then it would ultimately kind of fall flat on its face, whether uh, maybe an emergency situation come up and I was kind of caught off my rhythm or I got bored or I just finally realized it wasn't cut out for me. Um, but it seems like every new year when it gets here, it's like as soon as midnight hits, we're in the next year. And what, one thing I like about the new year is not necessarily the resolutions, but I like the, the, the feeling of like the new year's here, 2019, 2018 is gone and I just received a new clean slate. It's almost like a do-over button. Wouldn't that be great in this life, like a do-over button? Like, oh, I just messed up. Let me press that button really quick. It's like do-over, and now, okay, okay, clean slate. That's kind of what the new year is like for most of us. It's, it's, a, it's a clean slate, and almost every new year, along with that clean slate, it's, it's like a new hope that comes to us. It's a new hope that approaches us, and maybe it's a, a new perspective or a fresh start, and, uh, and I don't know what goals you've made out there. Uh, I don't know. I was going to ask, uh, you know, raise of hands, but I don't know if you guys would want to do that, but how, how many of you guys, just by nodding or just even looking at me, how many of you guys made some goals about some losing some weight? I did, right? Losing weight? I do that every year. Ever since I thought, I need to lose some weight. It's been my goal every year. Every year I've failed, <laughs> Um, how many guys have made some uh, a bit more spiritual focus goals? I made some of the goals too. Uh, for others, maybe you want to read more books. Uh, I hated reading books growing up, but one of my New Year goals this year is to read a book a month. Or maybe you just picked up a bad habit. You didn't know where it came from, but you just want to get rid of that. Uh, maybe that's your New Year goal. But no matter what your goals, we tend to do something that I think could, could harm our New Year, establishing goals, or at least our perspective in accomplishing what we want to accomplish. Say if you want to lose weight. Let's stick with that goal for a little bit. We're going to get to scripture here pretty quick, but I want to set this up. Say if you want to lose weight, that's your new goal. What happens? What is your perspective when you want to lose weight? What do we do? We find the most rippest guy in the gym. We say, I want to look like that, right? That's a big difference. Or maybe it's like you want to be more spiritually focused this year. And so you're like, you find the most like spiritual person that can memorize the Bible. And, and so you find a guy who is like a pastor for 80 years and just led thousands of people to Christ. Or you look at Billy Graham and you say, I want to be like that. That's my goal for my, this one year, to be like that guy. 
because it's a big difference, right? See, that's the thing with the new year. It's, 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 it's all about the big difference. Whatever it may be, we always pick out someone that has the results that we want. It's not a bad thing, but the issue comes to is it causes us to strive for leaps and bounds to accomplish our goals. And what's the issue with that? We either fail or we burn out. We either fail or we burn out. Why? Because when it comes to getting the big results, seeing the big difference, it's not done in leaps and bounds. It's done in small things. It's done with the smallest things. In fact, that's the main idea for this series, and we'll read this every week through uh, this sermon series, but this is the first point in your notes. The main idea for this whole thing is this. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's often the small things that no one sees that brings the big results that everyone wants. Let that sink in just for a little bit. Because we are people of things, I want it now, I want it right now, but I want the big results. And when we think of small steps, what do we usually think of? We think of, oh, that's going to take some work. It's going to take some time to get there. We can get so caught up on seeing the big thing that we want and desire, but we don't see the small things that had to be done to get them there. For example, I love our church. In fact, I posted a little Instagram video from the back of the thing and just posted because I got some pastor friends that pray for this ministry. And I said, I love my church. God is doing some amazing things here. And, uh, and he really is. But I remember my first year coming here. They offered the position and I was a young something-something uh, year old. I'm going to let you think how old I am and go with that. Uh, but I was pretty young, and uh, I had these really big hopes and dreams because I gleaned off these pastors that just, just had these huge mega churches, and they were like, they were being so, uh, like just, just uh, the kind of the centerpiece of their community, doing some good things, and I see that, and I said, Lord, we're going to do that. That's my goal. We're going to do that. My first year being there. If you think about it, how weird does that sound, right? It's like, uh, that's not going to happen. But there are some big results. I see the big results. And I say, Lord, I want those results in this ministry. And when God laid this vision, because God did lay a vision on my wife and my heart, where, you know, we are going to be a church that reached the thousands. We are going to be a church that is a heartbeat for the North Platte community and the surrounding areas all around us. We believe those things. But so many times I see the big results of other people. And I want to say, Lord, I want that now. I want the big results now, and so what I did is I went to some of these bigger churches that I gleaned off of, and I told the pastor, I says, what are the big things that I can do now in my ministry to get my church to where your church is at now? And they laughed at me, which doesn't do good for my self-esteem. But they, they, they just kind of just smirked, and, and, and I'm like, what, what are you, what's so funny about this? What, like, like, what do I need to do? What are the big Top three steps I can do to fast forward our church there. And he says, you can't. Your church will not be like this. Not for the first year, second year, third year, first decade. And I said, well, what are the things? Well, like, what are the things that, and he said, here's the first things that I did for the first 25 years of my ministry. Found out the two common things. Number one, each of them prayed daily for at least 30 minutes. Second one, they each had a Bible devotional that lasted for another 30 minutes. And I, thought, I, I saw that, and I'm like, that doesn't seem like a lot for a pastor in ministry, right? Like an hour a day, that seems good. And I kind of 
keyed in a little bit, and this is where this sermon comes from, is that it's the small things that if you're faithful with them through the years can result in the big differences. Take for working out for an example. I wanted to lose weight. I've been on this losing weight journey since I can remember. I just end up failing and say every new year I'm going to redo it again. But this year, I'm like, what is it? Because what happens is I would enter the gym with kind of this big stamina, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. Uh, I've looked up what Dwayne Rock Johnson does for a workout. I got that done. I see what he eats for a full day. I mean, he's eating like 80 pounds of halibut, and I'm like, I can do that too. And so we're going this, and, and we're, we're going through all this. My wife's like, oh, my goodness, like, what are you doing? I'm like, I've got, the, I got my meal prep done, and then I've got to go work out for two hours in the gym. So I'm going to wake up at 4 in the morning because that's like Mark Wahlberg does with his workout. He wakes up, and he's ripped too. So I'm like, we're going to do all of this. And you know what happens in the first three weeks? I burn out. Why? Because I see the results, but I don't see the small things that they do. Did you know most people that get like really in shape and you, the people that you look at gym like, oh yeah, they're in shape. More times than not, they work out for 45 minutes a day, three to four days a week. And all they do is eat low carbs, high protein. Easy, right? But if you stick with the small things, you'll see the results. Every other thing, the, the, the spiritual focused person, if that's your goal this morning, you want to be more spiritual focused. It's the small things that helped them get them there. In fact, uh, there's a person that I saw on Facebook, a family member of mine, and I'm like, man, I always thought, I'm like, she's, just, she's brilliant in the Bible, and she just reads it so well, and she can quote scripture. I'm like, I'm a pastor, and I, like, I don't have that ability. And I finally just saw in her Facebook post that she spent the last four years reading from cover to cover in the Bible, one chapter a day, and journaling about it. it took her four years to do that. See, I see the four years, I'm like, I can't do that. But I see the small things that she does and say, a chapter a day, I could do that. See, it's the small things that result in the big difference. What does this have to do with you? I want you guys to look at Zechariah chapter 4, 6 through 10. That's where we're going to be camping out today. And if you're really good with Scripture this morning, we're actually going to end at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as well. I share these things because you need to know, church, no matter what you want to accomplish this year, whether it's big or small, you need to know no matter what you want to, want to accomplish, know that it is possible to accomplish those things through small beginnings through small steps, through the small things. As you guys see in your notes, it's probably have a, it looks a little different, but there's only really two points today. Really two points. And I think that's all that God wants to speak this morning. But I want to lay the foundation for this series. And it ends with one direct challenge for you as an individual, but then I want to segue into what God has for us for a church in the new year. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 10 is where we'll begin, uh, but I want to kind of lay where we're at. Zechariah uh, is a prophetic book in scripture, um, but we're going to pick up where the temple was destroyed. There's this nation of Israel, and they had, they had this house of God that they would go in to worship, uh, but then through captivity and being taken over, the temple was destroyed. But we're going to be picking up where God points out this king named King Zerubbabel. Do not name your kid Zerubbabel. The teachers will not like you. But there's this king named Zerubbabel, and God appointed him to take a small group back 
to the, this now nation of Israel. And so they go back there, and they see everything that's going on, and God spoke to this king and told him what he's going to do, and he's going to give him power to rebuild the temple. And now I want to read this and kind of break this up verse by verse. But it starts out in verse 6, and he says, Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, It is not by force nor by strength, but my spirit, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. So God is giving a huge goal to King Zerubbabel, just like we have huge goals for this new year. The goal for King Zerubbabel is to build this mighty temple, the house of God, for God's spirit to dwell into. Huge task for any of us. And it's now left to this King Zerubbabel. But God is making something very clear with this goal for King Zerubbabel. That it's actually, it's not going to be accomplished through the king himself, but it's actually going to be accomplished through who? God. It's only going to be accomplished by his spirit and his spirit alone. There's, there's no manpower that will make this rebuilding of the temple successful, but only through God's spirit. Meaning this, King Zerubbabel is going to have to fully rely on God to make this goal to come into fruition. It's like this. Let me put it in kind of perspective. I'm not good on working cars. I'm bad at it. A couple months ago, I was driving my van and I found out that my oil just exploded all over the road. I'm like, oh no. And so I, had to, I thought my engine was on fire because the oil was burning on the engine and all this other stuff. And I pulled up in my car and I said, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on. And I looked at my wife and I said, I don't know what's happening. She's like, well, what are you going to do? We need a car. We only have one car. And I said, well, I guess I will have to rely on my own strength and I'm going to go call a car mechanic. And she's like, well, just hold on a minute because you go to a car mechanic and they, you know, you get the bill and no one likes the bill that you get from a car mechanic. She says, but you have some very knowledgeable guys in your church. I said, babe, I'm the man. <laughs> and I will use my power to go to a mechanic. I'm not going to come and submit my manliness to other guys in the church saying, will you come and work on my car? The conversation ended with, yes, babe, I'll give him a call. So I gave him a call and I had two guys come over and I tell you what, what I was going to pay at the dealership, because I relied on the power and knowledge of two guys, ended up costing me no more than $5 to fix an oil line hose. Now, what would happen if I relied on my own wisdom? Yeah, we're going to be tapping into our emergency fund, no Christmas presents for the kids. We're going to have to do this whole thing. But because I relied on someone else outside of my own power to accomplish a thing that needs to be accomplished things were a lot better. Same thing that's happening with King Zerubbabel in this story. He's going to have to rely on the power of God. You know why? Because the power of God cannot be stopped. The power of God cannot be contained. The power of God cannot be done with. The power of God is there and it's extraordinary. It's bigger than what we can even fathom. That is why you want to work with the power of God. And look at what God says to the king. Verse 7 says, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way, meaning my power is going to back you up. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout. I love the fact that in this scripture right here, God already knows the outcome. We need more light bulbs going off. When you have the power of God on your side, and it's a God thing that God wants you to do in this new year, when the power of God is backing you, nothing's going to stop you. 
It's going to be accomplished. And while you think small beginnings or small steps, it might take a while to see the big results, God already knows the results. So here's what I have to say to you this morning. Leave the results in God's hands. Leave the results in God's hands. I was doing some study on this, and it's talking about that the people will shout and people will, will, will praise King Zerubbabel what's going on. Verse uh, continues on. The people will shout, may God bless him. May God bless it. And then another message came to me from the Lord Zerubbabel. It is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. I was doing some studies on this, like the, may God bless it. May God you know, bless the, the new temple. And there's this huge thought process that I thought was really interesting out there. A lot of people think that the people were shouting God bless it, not in a positive manner. In fact, many of them thought they came to what Zerubbabel was doing, saw the few stones that laid the foundation, and they were actually crying and lamenting because they're like, what I see before me, it's not good. God, I hope you bless this. And they were dismayed, and they were actually kind of uh, concern exactly what the temple was going to be like and why it was going to be like this. And I want to tell you, a lot of times in 2019, as you want to accomplish your goals that you have, it may feel like this. I haven't met a person after their first day at the gym that wakes up and says, man, I want to do that again. Because it's the small things. And sometimes the small things are some of the most painful steps that you're going to have to take. It, it's, it's going to take time. It's going to feel like you're not getting anywhere and you'll be tempted to quit because you see what you're putting in, but it feels like you're not getting anything out of it. And why is this important? Because this is the next part. Scripture says, Then you will know the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Verse 10, underline this. This has been my scripture for my ministry and close to my heart. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise the small starts because God actually loves it. Yeah. Don't despise the small things. God rejoices in it. I was reminded just last Sunday that I didn't, I didn't have to preach and so I got to be with the congregation and have the opportunity to stand in the back and watch worship take place and so what I did is just like anyone else is I kind of just wandered out and I'm like, what happens, you know, while I preach? Because I don't know what happens. Like, I know what happens, but like, I don't know what's actually taking place. And I go out there and I went out to the parking lot and our parking lot's full, just like it is right now. It's completely full. And I'm like, holy cow. Do you know what I saw the last time I looked at the parking lot? It was the second Sunday that I was here and we had maybe 10 cars. And the Lord spoke very clearly. Don't despise the small beginnings. So I went to the children's ministry. I wanted to see what was going on over there. And our, we had to open up a new room today. Parents, you saw that. Uh, our kids' ministry is totally packed, so much so that we're going to be launching a campaign to move them downstairs uh, because they have a whole basement they can run and do the things that they need to do. And then I saw every room packed, and the Lord spoke very clearly again. Don't despise the small beginnings. Why? Because the children's ministry, when we first started was my daughter and my pregnant wife. We counted that baby in her belly. We counted that. But don't despise the small beginnings. I come in here and, and I see people worshiping and their hands are in the air and, 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 and I, I just feel God just saying, don't despise the small beginnings. Because when I first got here, I wanted to make leaps and bounds to see the big results, but I, I would have missed out on the, on the intimacy of the small beginnings. 
And church, for you this morning, whatever you want to accomplish, don't despise the small beginnings. Don't despise the small beginnings because God loves small beginnings. And that's really what this series is about. This series is all about not just despising the small beginnings because it's the small things that ends in big results. It's the small things because they're important. In fact, you see a quote in your worship guide here, and you can read it, and it's this quote by John Wooden. It says, the little things that are vital, little things make big things happen. If you guys don't know who John Wooden is, uh, he's a great basketball coach back in the day with UCLA, and he had 10 titles, with seven titles being consecutive titles, and it was huge for this basketball team. And so coaches and reporters are coming from all around the state, coming to this awesome collegiate program, and they're asking him, saying, like, what are you doing to make your basketball team this great? It's unheard of. And you're just stepping on over, over other basketball teams, and like, like, what are you doing? Is it, is it the practices? Is it the drills? Is it, or is it your recruiting process? Like, like, what do you do? And John Wood, he made this statement, and he says, you know, it's not the drills that we do on the first day. It's not about the plays. It's not about my recruiting process. It's not about learning how to pass better or to, to do any of this stuff. He's actually, the first day of practice, all we do all day is we learn how to put on our socks and we learn how to put on our sneakers. Then after that's done, we take them off and we put on our socks and we put on our sneakers. And they do that the entire practice. You know why? Because no one thinks about how to put on their socks and sneakers. And because of that, other teams were getting blisters on their feet. And it was costing them the game. They couldn't play to their full potential. And he says, we care about the small things. Because it's the small things that are going to get us the big results. And that's what happens. And the same thing is in your walk with Christ. The same thing is starting off this new year of 2019. The same thing goes with, with everything that you want to do in this life, really, because it's the small things that make the big difference. It's the little things that are vital, little things that make big things happen. And so this entire series, we're going to be talking about the little things. And as you guys come in, I, I, if you're expecting like, man, I need one big takeaway to change my entire life today, I'm going to tell you, it's going to start with the small things. It's going to start with the small things. Week two, we're going to talk and focus on our thoughts. We're going to talk about our thoughts because we believe that as a person speaks, finish it out, church, so he becomes. So we got, we're going to talk about our thoughts. If you want to change your life, church, change the way you think. Week three, we're going to talk about our words because our words have the power of life and death. And we believe that if you want to change your life, change the way you talk. Change your words. Week four, we're actually going to look at our habits because we believe we become what we repeatedly do. Did you know we're creatures of habit? And so if you want to change your life, change your habits. And even though these things seem like very small things, it's the small things, church, that make the big difference. And if you focus on this and start to develop a focused life, it is so powerful it is so powerful. And in fact, it's a very biblical concept to focus on the small things. In fact, Scripture goes even so much further and says, focus on one thing and learn it. Apply it. Make it a good habit in your life. And, and, and I mean, you can just take it from the heroes of, of the Bible. King David from the Bible, he's, he's known for a person after God's own heart. Why? Because he desired one thing and one thing only. Do you know what he desired? To dwell in the house of God. 
You see that time and time said through his entire life. That's the one thing he desired, the one thing that he focused. Paul, who considered one of the greatest apostles, he had a hard life knowing God and even harder life after knowing God. He was persecuted, beaten, shipwrecked, beaten, uh, bit by a snake, thrown into prison. And even in the midst of all of this stuff, he didn't complain about his circumstances. He says, there's, there's one thing that I do. There's one thing that I focus on. There's one thing I put my, my, my brain towards. You know what it was? Let the past be the past, and I push ahead. That's his common theme through his entire ministry. There's just one thing. And when you focus on one thing, church, it's amazing what you can accomplish. But there's a vice versa to this. If you miss your one thing, it's amazing the things that you'll miss out on. Martha and Mary had Jesus over at their place and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet just being with him and Martha was running all over the house because, you know, Jesus was in their house and so she had to be the great host and she realized her sister was sitting at Jesus' feet and she went to Jesus and said, hey, could you tell my sister to get up and help me out with the house chores because all she's doing is sitting there and Jesus says something very profound. He says this, she's chosen the one good thing. And because... She chose the one good thing. You chose the one thing that you're not supposed to be spending your time on. And you're missing out. One thing. There was a rich young ruler that wanted to be one of Jesus' disciples. And uh, he came up to him and said, Jesus, I want to be on your team. I want to be a part of your ministry. I want to do these things that your disciples are doing. And Jesus says, there's one thing that you have to do. There's one thing. And then you can come and follow me and be on part of my team. But there's one thing that you have to do. You have to go back and sell your possessions. Just the one thing. Just do that. And you'll be amazed what your life will be like. And he walked away sad. Why? Because he couldn't do the one thing. The one thing costed him something so great. And so this morning, church, I want to, I want to help you focus for this new year of 2019 to focus in on the, the one thing it's the one thing in church. I don't want us to miss out on the one thing that Jesus has for you this year. In fact, I want you to focus on the one thing that God has for you because you will be amazed what God can accomplish through you if you focus on the one thing. So here's my challenge. This is the one challenge, the first point, and then we'll transition this message. My challenge for you is I want you to seek God for one word for your life in 2019. Just one word. Vaughn, you can't do that. It's possible. You can do it. We've been doing it for the last how many years in, in my family's life. It's, God will speak to you if, you if you seek earnestly. You will find that one thing. But after you find that one word, write down the one verse because God will usually reveal it to you in a verse that you're reading. Write that down. Why? This is important. Because it's not by your might that's going to be done, but by God. So that's my challenge for you today is find that one thing that God wants you to focus on. Just that one word. Like, don't write down your resolutions. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to write down your top five resolutions. Like, God, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to read more books. And I'm going to do a daily devotional with you three times a day. And yada, yada. Like, don't just ask God for one word. Make it personable. And ask Him what scripture it belongs to. The one word that I want to share with you, and this will transition because, like I said, we do this every year for my life and my wife's life and our children and, and even for our church. We ask God for one word to help us to lead through this new year. And this word that we received this year, and uh, you guys can write this down. I encourage you to write it down. The one word that we received this year for our church is shift. Shift. 
And we got a verse with it, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 and 2, verses 5 through 6. If you're a first-time guest, second-time guest this morning, this will be a great opportunity for you to decide, like, is this church right for me? Is this Because this will tell you how we're going to filter our new year through. It's through this word, shift. There's, I'm going to read the scripture to you guys, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But I want to give you the foundation. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And church of Corinth was having some really bad problems. just a horrible church. And they were just doing weird things like suing each other. Uh, I mean, there was affairs going on. There was false teachers and prophets uh, uh, kind of uh, infecting the church. And, and he's writing this letter. He says, hey guys, you, you guys got to get this straight. You guys start fixing your church from the, from the inside out. And the people, the, the people that want to see the church of Corinth to grow and do good things were coming very dismayed. And Paul writes them this. I want to read this to you. Verses 1 and 2, and then 5 through 6. This, this is Paul. Paul's saying, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhand ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we could commend ourselves to everyone's consciousness in the sight of God. Jump to verse 5. It says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. What was Paul telling him? Saying, hey guys, I know a lot of things are happening at your church right now that you don't like. I know a lot of things are happening in the culture that are causing you to be dismayed. And maybe a lot of you, you're wanting to give up hope right now. But I'm telling you, Church of Corinth, do not lose heart. He's telling them to shift their perspective. And I believe that's what God is calling our church to do. It's a shift perspective. As I prayed through this and as we fast over the next three weeks, we're starting a 21-day fast. Uh, today, that's why we had some fruit downstairs for those of you who are doing a Daniel fast. We got a packet back there, the Connection Center, for you guys to check out. But I encourage you guys to fast about this term for our church, the word shift, shifting our perspective. And as I was praying through this, and I was reading through this, and I texted my wife a couple days ago, I said, babe, I think I, I think I see where God is pointing us to. I believe God is telling us as a church to shift our perspective in four areas. Four areas. I encourage you to write them down on the side of your notes. Their first one is our children's ministry. We need a shift perspective on our children's ministry. If you are a children's leader this morning, and you're not back there, there's a lot of them back there. Parents, I encourage you when you go back there, tell them thank you. But if you're here this morning, you need to know you're not in the job of babysitting. Kids Rock is not babysitting. In fact, I believe full-heartedly, Kids Rock is the future of this church. That when you go back there, if you, if you are serving back there, if you're not serving, I'm telling you, you are missing out. I make jokes about how I shouldn't be back there, but I'm telling you, there is something that, that, that's so spiritually uh, privileged of being back there, raising up these little ones, because they are the future of this church. They are the future of the Christian faith. They're the ones that are going to be tasked for carrying out. In the harder times that we believe, that's going to be even worse than now. And as you go back there, if you're a children's leader this morning, you need to know you're not in the job of babysitting. Because when you go back there, you might be raising up the next David. You might be raising up the next Billy Graham. I don't know who's back there, but each and every one of them, because the Spirit drew them to this church, God has a plan and purpose, and He's going to reveal that through you. What God wants to do with their lives, that's going to be revealed through you. And so we need to shift our perspective. Children, they're not a burden. They're a blessing. 
And it's actually, as the Rock Church, it is a privilege to have children in our church. And that leads me to the next thing. We need to shift our perspective on youth. I've heard it so many times. When, when I was growing up, I'm, I'm a millennial, so you can kind of put that where that's at. But the biggest thing that I heard was this. Millennials are lazy. Millennials can't, don't know how to work hard. They have no work ethic. They yada, 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 yada. Now we have this new generation called Gen Z. So if you're a young person, you're part of the Generation Z. And there's things that, oh, they're too much into technology. I'm going to play that all aside to say this. We need to shift our perspective on youth. And we got to stop talking down to them. Because if you look at every biblical significance in Scripture, and even in the latest revivals, you know who it was done through? Every single one of them. It was done through the youth. Revivals in the United States. Azusa Street. All, it was done through the young people. And so I encourage us, church, to shift our perspective on this next generation. Because we can complain all day on work ethic and can't carry a job and uh, you know, won't go to college and still play video games. And we can do all that all the time. But let me tell you, complaining about this next generation does no good for the kingdom of God. But you know what it does? Lifting them up. Encouraging them. Praying for them. Let them know that God has a purpose for them and that they're here for a reason. You know what's really sad? They're really sad about this. That as soon as a Christian teenager leaves his house and leaves the church, you know what the chances are for them to return back to the faith? You know what it is? 75% of them not returning back to the faith. Why is that? Because I think as a church, we need to shift our perspective on youth. Children and youth have been an area of ministry where you're not seen and you're not heard and you're stuck over there so the adults can do the adult things on Sunday. And that's not what we're going to be doing here at the Rock Church. The only reason that I was able to get into ministry as young as I did was because I had a pastor that saw the potential in me, took risks, and helped me get up when I messed things up for the church and ushered me forward and lifted me up. That is the only way. And we're going to do the same thing with our kids and our youth. Right now we have a packed Kid Rock this next year. We're going to, have, um, we're going to start uh, our youth group on a weekly basis. And I think God's going to have some really, really good things. But we need to shift our perspective on children and youth. The third thing we need to shift our perspective is on Sunday mornings. This right here. We need to shift our perspective on Sunday mornings. That we're not here just to consume, but we're actually here to, to participate. This right here, this is not a viewing thing. This is not a spectacle just to come in like a movie theater and say, oh, that was a good service, or oh, I didn't like that. That this is actually a time to participate in worship and in the Word and to encourage one another. That's what we do on Sunday mornings. That's, that's why. And yes, we have a stage so you can see everything, but let me know, this is not just for you to say, I'm just going to sit there and go. If that is, you can do that for a time, but I will tell you, you will not feel fulfilled here at the Rock Church because you need to participate. I'm not talking about serving. Yes, that's a big vital part, but I'm talking about for you coming here and meeting God and taking those steps forward to Him. 
So we need to shift our perspective on Sunday mornings. The last one is this. We need to shift our perspective on community groups. And this was a personal uh, conviction on my wife and I for leading our church. Um, we need discipling at our church. We need discipling. And God made it very clear. He says, you need to get from the milk to the meat. You need to get from the milk to the meat. Some of us, we're still on, on the milk, and we're okay with that because the milk tastes sweet and it's easy to swallow and it, it, it's good for us. But let me tell you, as you grow mature in Christ, you're going to find out that you're going to become malnourished in your spiritual life because you're missing the protein that is necessary for you in your Christian walk. And so we're going to do this, and I've been talking about it, but we're going to be more intentional this year, is, is through our community groups. Community groups, we come and we hang out and it's fun, but there needs to be discipling. Let me tell you what makes the enemy shake in his boots is when he comes for force towards a mature Christian of God. In fact, I went to Israel last year and I felt bad as the pastor, but it, the biggest conviction that I had, and it says here in, in, in the Old Testament, God asked repeatedly and repeatedly, he says, do you know your word? Do you know scripture? And that's been haunting me is, Vaughn, do you know your word? Do you know your scripture? And so I have to ask us, do you know your word? Do you know scripture? Because let me tell you, we can complain about politics. We can complain that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And we can complain and complain and complain all that you can. But you are here for a purpose. This is not just a time for us to sit until we get to heaven. God has given us this time to do something for his kingdom in this lifetime. And you won't know what that is unless you get into the Word. You won't know what that is until you get into the Word. The Word is so important. And so we need to shift our perspective on community groups. I would encourage you, because right now uh, you know, we have some community groups we're going to be launching here in the next couple of weeks. I would encourage you to sign up for one and then be faithful to them. And really dive in and have conversation. Because that is where the building comes from. This right here is Sunday. We participate in this. But this is not the magical pill to get you through the week. It's going to be through community groups. It doesn't help to establish that mature foundation in your life. So we need to shift our perspective on community groups. And it's this word shift is how we'll lead the church in 2019 filter our decisions, and see where God takes us. We have, we've got some new things coming down the Rock Church. We're, we're on the community, but while we're on the community, we're also going to be focused in on, on the people here right now in our church and trying to help them raise up. And let me tell you this. If you are a Christian and you've been in the Christian faith for 40, 50 years, God's not done with you yet, and that means your discipling is not done. So don't discount yourself. Join a group. In fact, let me talk to my older people really quick here, and I say that with a lot of love. Older people, the best thing that you can do is not to push away the young people, but to adopt them. Because a lot of us, including myself for some time, we're missing the spiritual parents in our life. A lot of our young people are first-generation believers, and they need that spiritual parenthood in their life. So I encourage you, let's bridge this gap, church. Yeah. Young people, same thing goes for you guys. Don't push away the old people. Let me tell you who has the best wisdom in this church. It's those who've been in the faith for longer than you've been alive. Yeah. Let's bridge this gap, church. And let's see where God takes us in this 2019. And this is the word shift that we got for this new year. And just as God, I believe, has given us this word, God has a word for you. 
And whatever that may be, I want you guys to be a part of that. Angie, if you want to come up on the piano. I want to end with this verse here. The reason we're going to be kind of more on the radical side with this one thing, the one verse and the one word, is because I believe it's the small things that make the big things happen. And it may seem at first small and insignificant, but it's the small things that lead to great things. Let me say that one more time, Rock Church. It's the small things that lead to the great things. And let me tell you, there's going to be a day where we stand in front of God. And this is my prayer, is when God has given you the small things to handle in this life. This is the verse that I keep close to my heart, is Matthew 25, 21. And it speaks to your faithfulness in the small things. This is what he says. says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You see, this story was about something very important. There's this master that had three servants and he gave them each a thing of money and he asked them to do with what they thought would be best for it. And it was this little thing of money. And one master kind of, one servant kind of just hoarded it and tucked away, buried it in the ground. The two others went out and did stuff with it, put some of it at risk. God blessed it. And it turned into some of the greatest things that their hands have ever touched. To the first servant, he says, get away from me, you wicked and awful servant. Sounds kind of harsh, really. Because he kept it safe, but he didn't do anything with it. I think that's a lot of us, including myself, where we make the goals and we just leave them as goals. But maybe some of us, it's our time to step in the shoes of the second and third servant, where we see the goals, we see the power of God, we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling us to where we need to go. And there's going to be a day where you stand up and God's going to say, what did you do with the small things I've given you? For some of us, we might make the excuses of, you know what, Lord, I was waiting for the big thing. I was waiting for, the, I was waiting for that big miracle to know that you were really there. I was waiting for the, the big change in my marriage. I was waiting for the big things. God rejoices in the small beginnings. So it convinces my spirit, God starts in small ways. Don't despise small beginnings. Because my prayer for us is that when we stand before God, He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You want to change your marriage? Start with the small things. You know what I do? My wife and I, we don't have like two hour long prayer sessions every day. I think we have a great marriage. But we do small things. Like I never leave the house without kissing my wife. It's the small things that make a difference. You want to change your life with anxiety and depression and those things? Start with the small things. Your work life, start with the small things. It's the small things that are going to make the big things happen, church. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. And Lord, I pray that as we go into this new year, God, we can make all the goals that we want. But Lord, without your voice in them, they're just goals. So Lord, I pray for us that as we go into this new year that we would seek your heart on this one word that you have for us. For myself, it was shift. For others, it might be something different. And God, I pray that you speak to them. And Lord, that we'd enter this new year not as, oh, it's just another new year to go through. But Lord, we would enter it like the kings of Rubable and say, oh man, God's got some great things this new year. And it's not going to be done by my might. It's not going to be done by my power. 
but through the mighty power of God. Lord, I pray that that would be our theme as we go into the year of 2019. We've got two calls this morning. Every head's bowed, eyes closed. First one is this. If you just want to commit during this time of maybe during the time of praying, fasting, and maybe just this week, you're saying, you know what, I'm going to seek after the one word that God has for me. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to see who's on board. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. God, I pray that you would give them that one word. God, that you'd bring that scripture even now to their minds. Maybe some of you are here this morning saying, you know what, I don't even know where to begin. I'm just here checking out the church. I don't even have a walk with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, you're not alone. And you're in the best place that you could be right now. If you're saying, you know what, today I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, it is the best relationship you can have. It is so life-giving. Knowing that your purpose and your identity, knowing who your creator is, if that is you saying, you know what? I want that relationship with Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. Is there anyone here saying yes to Jesus this morning? Yeah? Okay. Awesome. It's as simple as this. Even those, maybe you didn't raise your hand, it's just simply saying, Lord, would you come into my life? Would you make me a clean creation, a new creation, creating me a clean heart? And then you just walk with Jesus. Father, I thank you for this word today. Lord, I know it may not seem like a big word, and it, it really isn't. But Lord, I know that you work in the small beginnings, the small starts. And that it's through the years of faithfulness that you take our small beginnings and turn them into something great. Lord, I remember when I first came here and there was just a handful of us. We were faithful, steadfast in what you've called us. Fast forward three and a half years later, God, you're growing this church. In fact, I would say the majority of the growth happened this year. And Lord, I say thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd be with us as we continue into the service. And we look forward to what you have. Let us not neglect the small things that make the big things happen. In your name, amen.